Tomorrow night we are going to be praying here again at the church. Uh, I know it's supposed to, we're supposed to be getting some sort of a tropical storm, um, but if all goes well on Saturday, we might be doing a prayer drive. Uh, don't know where right now. Um, I, I understand the weather might be rough. That uh, means some of you will definitely not want to go to that, but uh, want to make you aware of that because we are praying for a deeper and greater unity in the spirit in this church. We are fighting for the unity of the body. Amen? Amen. Not just for the rights of individuals. Right. Praise Amen. God. We're not just praying for souls. We're praying that Jesus be glorified. Amen. Amen. And the kingdom of God would grow. Yes. Praise God. So whatever it is, we're, we're praying and we're desiring to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're desiring to be more like Jesus Christ and to win souls to Him. So whatever it takes. Amen? So we want you to make uh, you aware of that. That is not a guilt trip. That is not a slam on anybody. But even though the weather might be bad, I'm feeling like we should do some sort of a prayer drive on Saturday. Um, as most of you probably know, one of our vehicles is down. So we won't be able to do the regular guys go with me and my vehicle. And, you know, the ladies just kind of fit into another couple of vehicles. But uh, so we'll have to rearrange different things and we're not making anybody come we're gonna say let's make a plan for say 11 o'clock on Saturday all right amen. if things are too bad we can always gather right here at the church and pray for a little while amen, amen. praise God so we're just shaking things up I know Saturday's a busy day I know a lot of people work on Saturdays these days I know that it's the day that uh, we don't work and so we're with our families and we got plans and all kinds of wonderful things I get it but I will say this, not this church, not this man, but our God is the most important thing in our life. Amen. His will and His purpose for our life, for our families, for our church, for this region is the most important thing and should be, and I'm going to say that unabashedly, should be the most important things in our life. Not our jobs, not our pleasures, not even our families, okay, even though family does come before the church. But even our own lives should not be more important than God's will. Praise God. That's just a commercial message. We're going to do that on Saturday. Let's plan for 11. Be here by 11. Try to be here before 11 so we can arrange some things so we can get going wherever we're going. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And plan for a trip. Plan for a trip. Hey, we might, we might go all the way out to Plymouth. Who knows? Okay? Don't be afraid of a long drive. There's rest stops along the way. Uh, you can't go far uh, these days without hitting a McDonald's or a burger, uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, right? Praise God. I'm trying to lighten the mood here, folks. Work with me. Praise God. Matthew 6.24. I'm trying to lighten the mood because it's about to get serious. Praise God. This is not picking me up. Okay, we're going to have to work on this then. Let's pray for our sound system. We, we love technology. That's wonderful, but uh, it's got to work if we're going to use it. Praise God. In the meantime, 
Folks, come out to the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Ye. That word ye is an old way of saying you all. You all cannot serve God and mammon. This verse is very particular because you don't have to be any kind of an English major or scholar of any type uh, to understand that that word mammon is referring to uh, something that's not alive, in, inanimate objects, if you will. Uh, we don't use the word mammon a lot today. Uh, we're going to go through quite a series of definitions here in a minute. So I'm not going to take the time to explain it right now. But whatever mammon is, we know that it's not living, right? Everybody awake here tonight? Yes. Should I, should I tap dance a little bit and get everybody's attention? Okay. Mammon. Huh? Mammon? Mammon is an inanimate object. Now you're thinking about mammoths? <laughs> well, mammon is not something that's living. Okay? Is, there, is everybody here with me? Should, should I start over? I'm, I'm going to go out this door. I'm going to come in that door. Because you guys are looking at me like, who is this guest preacher? And what school did he go to? I went to the school of Sam Warren, so you're going to have to bear with me, all right? No man can serve two masters, okay? Now, we're going to get into the definition of mammon later, because I know a lot of us have a vague idea what it is, but we don't really use that word much, if at all. In fact, the only time probably most of you have ever even read it or said it is if you've been reading this verse or another verse in Luke, and quoting it, right? Come on, let's be honest. Come on, in everyday normal life, uh, you've never gone up to a, a soda machine and said, oh, shoot, I don't have enough mammon. Right? So because of that, a lot of people say, oh, that just means money. Well, it doesn't mean money. Money to us is a completely different idea. Okay? The point I'm trying to make right out of the gate here tonight, and I know because worship time and prayer time went a little longer. Uh, we've got a little less time to do this. It's all right. You know me. I break the rules anyway. Praise God. So don't worry about the time tonight, all right? Right. And uh, you say, Pastor, don't worry about the time tonight. That's right. Don't worry about the time tonight. Well, thank you. Thank you for the five you said that. Thank you, Jesus. i got five in my corner. All right. What I'm trying to point I'm trying to make right out of the gate is Jesus. Everybody acknowledges that Jesus is saying this. Yes. yes. Everybody acknowledges that if Jesus is saying it, it yes. must be important. Yes. yes. Okay. I'm not trying to talk down to you folks. I'm not trying to make you feel like third graders. What I'm trying to do is get you involved. I know we come to church and it's normal to just listen to the preacher preach and we just sit there and passively take it in. We want you to actively take this in. Okay. What is the difference? 
When you're reading something, you're actively engaging. When you're watching TV, you're passively engaging. When you're just listening to someone give a speech, you're passively engaging. It's just washing over you, and your mind can be a million miles away. Okay? Let's try to be active here and engage actively. Let's not just let it wash over us tonight. God's got something to say to the church. He's got something to say about a God that is in people's lives. Yes, are we still on that stick? We're probably going to be on that vein for a while. Because God needs to get false gods out of our life. I preached hard on that last Wednesday. And Wednesday's night's not even supposed to be preaching night. That's all right. God can do whatever He wants to. We, we came in here and we felt the Spirit of the living God and we preached hard last Wednesday night. And then we prayed hard last Thursday night about these things. And guess what we're going to do tomorrow night? We're going to pray hard again. Praise God. And we might not uh, you know, do the same thing we did last week, but man, if the Lord can just get a hold of us, we're going to see lives changed. Our lives first. Our families changed. Our church changed. We're going to see lost souls come to Jesus. When we can learn how to get things in order, things are going to be according to His order. Praise God. You cannot put something in order by complaining about it. Come on, this is a side note. And I, I wish some of you would, especially you guys have been around for a while, say amen to it. Praise God. You cannot put things in order by crossing your arms and saying, Pastor's being a jerk. That's not going to help, okay? You can't put things in order to say, I don't agree with the way pastor does things. That, I don't agree with the order. Of the I don't agree with the color of the paint on the wall. None of that's going to help. You know what's going to help? Submission. Yes. Repentance. Yes. Prayer. Yes. Getting into the Spirit. Yes. Being led by the Spirit. Yes. And on top of it all, all of us unified in the same vein. You're going to hear me talking a lot about unification. Hey, listen, if all of us are living holy but a few are not, we can have an Aiken situation. And guess what? We don't want to have an Aiken situation. That's right. Okay? That's right. Praise God. You think God can't do it? He can. Yes. I personally believe that if we begin to pray, like we've been talking about somewhat lately, if we pray... In the fear of the Lord. Lord, give us more fear of the Lord. We're going to see more miracle signs and wonders. But we're also going to see more judgment. Mm -hmm. yes. That scares folks. Come on. I'm just talking right. to you real tonight. It scares folks. It scares folks because they understand. That's the reason why a lot of people don't like We preached this months ago. It's why a lot of people don't want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Because being full of the Holy Ghost tells you some things about your life that you don't always want to hear. And being full of the Holy Ghost, being led by the Holy Ghost, takes you to places that you don't always want to go. Right. And so we'd rather not. If we know miracle signs and wonders and souls being saved happens because there's a bunch of people full of the Holy Ghost, then why aren't we all full of the Holy Ghost all the time? Well, the devil's been beating me up. That's no excuse. Oh, well, I've had a hard time in life. That's no excuse. Well, it's just been really hard. That's no excuse. We all have hard days. We all have a hard time. It's life. There's no temptation that has taken you, but what, uh, that is common to man. Everybody goes through tough times, not just certain individuals. I had a woman come up to me years ago, and she was doing everything in her life wrong. I never heard a woman pray 
like she prayed. My goodness, if there's one thing she was doing right in her life, it's somewhere along the way she learned how to pray. This, this woman would get in a church and she'd start praying and the paint would start peeling off the walls. It's like, wow, this woman can pray. It's like, how is it that this woman can pray like she prays and, and the whole church feel the power of the Holy Ghost emanating out of one person praying and she can't do anything in her life right? I don't know. She, she couldn't receive uh, certain clear, spirit-led doctrines. And I know things have to come by revelation. I get it. But she was not willing to receive certain revelations. She rejected it wholeheartedly because that's not how she was brought up. And there was other things that she wanted the church to. She wanted the church to be a babysitter to her kids, and she wanted, you know, she would stand up in church sometimes and actually rebuke the church for not calling her enough because she's been going through hard times when she ain't never called anybody else in the church. One sided. It's all about me. She came up to me one time and said. The people who are the most anointed go through the most, right, Pastor? And she's trying to get me to say, yeah, that's right, because she wants to feel good about herself. I'm only going through all these struggles because I'm so anointed. Well, <laughs> when we're in the will of God, flowing in the will of God, flowing in the Holy Ghost, there's going to be a lot of affliction come your way, but the Lord will deliver you out of all of them. When you're having a lot of affliction in your life that God's not delivering you out of, it might not be that you're in the righteous vein. And I'm not preaching against an individual. All I'm trying to say is, don't play those games with God. Amen. Right. So, back to Matthew 6.24. What it's doing, and I said out of the gate ten minutes ago, but what Jesus is doing, He's saying something important to us. He's saying you can't serve, you can't worship, you can't give your life to God and mammon. What he's doing is, I know we all know this word, but he's personifying mammon. Whatever mammon might be, which we have yet undefined, and I know most of you probably have a vague idea what that is. But whatever it is, he's personified. In other words, he's making it a God. Because he's equating service to God and service to something else. What he's plainly saying is some of you are serving God and some of you are serving another God. In fact, a God that's not even a living God. It's, it's, it's a situation. It's a bank account. It's a uh, possession. It's an idol of some sort. It's, in this case, it's not even a demon. So I felt the Lord wanted us to talk about this tonight. I know we all know this verse, but it doesn't matter because there's things about this verse we don't know. And with the help of the Lord, I'm going to break this down, all right? All right. And I wish I didn't have to carry this mic because this is a little difficult. Try to figure out that sound problem. And once it starts working good, you let me know, all right? Yes. Luke. Chapter 16. Bragging about how loud my voice is on Sunday, and then I have to use a mic on Wednesday. Devil, you are a liar. Huh? No, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Luke chapter 16. Everybody all right? 
Luke chapter 16, verse number 1, And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said to him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest not mayest be no longer steward. Now, in times past, several times down through the years, we've talked about this situation of a steward. I was talking to a few brothers uh, yesterday afternoon, or morning rather, about this very thing. And <clears throat> we might explain it again tonight. I I'm not sure, but we, we have talked about what a steward is, okay? But whatever this steward is, we know that in some way, shape, or form, he's taking care of the books, right? He says, make an account. So when you hear the word account, think accountant. All right? He's someone who is taking care of his master's goods and the books as well. All right? But this guy's saying, you have wasted my substance, so you are no longer going to be my steward. First of all, first of all, before we, we go any further, let's acknowledge right away that this is fair. Because whoever the steward was, he is a hireling, right? He's someone hired to do a job, presumably getting paid for the job. Now, as we're going to find out, if you don't already know, as we're going to find out, what he's getting paid in is not maybe what you would expect. We, in our current culture, we go to a job place. We sign, we, we sit down with the human resources representative Right? And uh, we sign our life away and we make a contract with them that I will show up to work at such and such a time. I will work such and such hours a week and you will pay me such and such money a week. And to help me out, you're going to give me certain benefits. And also to help me out, you're going to go ahead and take state and federal taxes out and unemployment out and all kinds of stuff out. Right? And to further that, you'll go ahead, they'll go ahead and take our insurance money out as well so that when we uh, work hard in a week, we actually get about half our paycheck. And, and hopefully, hopefully, if we can claim enough stuff come around January the next year, we can get a, lot, a good, good amount of that back, right? That's the hope. All right. Well, that's, that's the way we do it now. We, we get uh, a lot of people, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people these days in a situation like that, go ahead and get direct deposit. It goes from that company right into your bank account. In the old days, of course, they used to hand you a check. Uh, there are plenty of people that still get cash, uh, but that cash payment is usually people that work under the table, so we won't talk about that right now. But don't think of the steward getting paid like that, okay? He's getting paid. But his income is not maybe what you would expect if you don't already know. But what we can know just by reading the story, because every story in the Bible, no matter what culture it is, is going to speak to our lives right here tonight. In this culture. It's going to speak to us in this culture because Jesus knew what time he was going to come. Well, the Lord knows who inspired the word of God knows uh, what shifts and changes in the world's uh, economy is going to happen. Is it good now? You figured it out? Praise God. How's that? Can everybody hear me good? Sounds good? We'll see. All right. I'm going to keep this in my pocket right here. 
Okay. In case they need it. Everybody all right? Yes. So let me uh, let me let me do this again. So we've got a guy who's the boss, and he's paying another guy to take care of his goods. Everybody clear on that so far? Guy's doing a bad job, he gets fired. Anybody think that that's harsh? No, I think you should get fired if you're doing a bad job. Come on now. Oh, that's mean, Pastor. What about grace and mercy? Oh, we're going to talk about grace and mercy. Okay, we're going to talk about grace and mercy in just a little while, if, if I can get around to it with the Lord's help. But uh, listen, there are too many people that are grown up in a culture today that feel like they should be able to do a bad job and keep their job. Come on, we all, we probably you probably all saw that picture uh, on some social media or online somewhere. You saw the young man. He's holding the sign up. And he says, Why should I fear for my life because I rob a liquor store? That is so indicative of... The, the times we live in. What he's literally saying is, I should not have to fear that a store owner is going to blow me away or a cop's going to come in and shoot me just because I rob a liquor store. Well, hold on, son. Uh, how are you robbing that liquor store? You're going there yelling and screaming and pointing a gun in some poor slob's face, scaring him half to death in order to clean out his register. You got a gun pointed on him, but you don't think anybody should point a gun on you. You you think that you should just be able to get away with anything illegal in life and not have to worry about your life. Excuse me, what kind of reality are we even dealing with anymore? You know, we, we can call them millennials or whatever, but it's the generation. It's the last age. We can look at Proverbs chapter 30, and we're not going to go there, but it says there, there's a generation that says give, give. They're leeches. They're horse leeches. They just slatch onto something and they suck the life out of some other creature. Uh It's not even a symbiotic relationship. It's a parasite that's just sucking the life out of something. We we are raising a generation that says everybody should get a trophy no matter who loses or wins. There's no losers or winners. Let's just all be shiny, happy people. Hey, listen. Oh, I understand loving everybody, but that's not loving everybody. That's lying to people. What that's saying is no matter what you do in life, you should get a reward. If you sit in the corner and suck your thumb all day, you ought to get rewarded for it. You're special. Yes, we are special. And God loves every one of us. But there ain't nobody getting to heaven who won't do the will of the Lord our God. That's what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7. Ain't nobody getting in unless they're working. And yes, you can get fired from your job. We can look at that in Matthew 25. We can look at that in Luke chapter 19. Listen, it's in there. It's in the book. There there are firing situations. And when we get fired from this job, it ain't good, folks. It ain't good. We're not trying to be underhanded. We're not trying to be overhanded. Uh, and preaching hellfire and brimstone over people who are already saved. What we're trying to say is we're coming too close to the end to have any God in our life. Mm-hmm. All right? right? So I'm taking a long time to do this. Lord, help me. You got a boss and you got somebody working for him. The guy's working for him, not doing a good job. Fire him. It, well, you could show mercy on him. Yes, yes. But here's, here's the thing. 
This guy's already received quite a lot of mercy in his life, as we're going to point out in a little bit, if I can get there. But let's read the rest, okay? Let's read the rest, shall we? L listen to what it says here. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. Before we get into that, I want to point something out. I know you've probably read this uh, story many times. And I guess we can call it a parable. Uh, but uh, I, I know we've read this a lot of times. You've read it. We've, we've probably even taught it from time to time down through the years. But I want you to, I, I'm going to break this down as, as much as I can here for you tonight. Understand, listen, we live, we live in a situation where if McDonald's fires me, I can go get a job at Burger King. Right? Yes. Or if I don't like the manager at McDonald's, I can quit McDonald's and then go check out Burger King, right? Sure. We were over at Lowe's the other day. They had this big bus, a big, like, RV something camper looking thing out in front of uh, Lowe's talking about hiring people. And this, it, it's like the benefits bus or whatever. I mean, my goodness, you, you go over there and you, you I guess the. Uh, the human resources is right there in that big old button. It looked like it had AC and it looked like a real nice uh, situation. It made me almost want to go in there and uh, fill out an application. You know, it was, it was pretty. It was nice. It's like, I think I might like to work for Lowe's. I mean, uh, probably get a good discount working there, right? And uh, especially when you need to buy stuff from a store like that. And we wouldn't have been there if we didn't need to buy something from there. And uh, getting a discount from a place like that is nice, you know? And, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. The Lord's already beat me up. He didn't beat me up. He spanked me a few times over that. Uh, so uh, well, we're not going that path again. Well, we're going the path of faith and trusting God. And he's going to take care of us. But when I'm looking at that bus, I'm like, you know, isn't it amazing how there are so many. Everywhere you go, you see hiring. 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 Everywhere. Everywhere. Hiring. Why? Well, so well, COVID nineteen, and you you go to certain stores, and they how we, my wife and I went went to a place not too long ago. They said, well, you can't come in and, and sit in the dining room. You can get takeout though, because we don't have enough staff. We couldn't go into the place to eat because they didn't have enough staff. All we could do is get takeout and take it with us. <laughs> it's like because they don't have enough people. I mean, when have you ever seen a fast food restaurant? Or, or any kind of restaurant or food place lacking employees. Like, never in my life. Everybody with me? Yes. But we have all kinds of job openings in these days. Job openings everywhere. How is it that we don't have people working? You know? How is it that we can't find people to get a job? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on folks. I'm not trying to pick on folks. I'm talking right now as a prime opportunity to, to, to do anything. Right. Do anything. And, and if, if you'll do something that God tells you to do, He's just going to make it a stepping stone for something better. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And I'm not, I don't even know why I'm saying that. All I'm saying is, in our society right now, largely due to the pandemic, you know, and I put that in big quotations and very sarcastically say that, but according to, uh, because of the pandemic, a lot of people got used to getting paid for not working last year. And then when the $600 a week dried up and they had to go back to work, you know, a lot of people didn't go back. 
And it wasn't just because of fear of COVID. A lot, a lot of it was just, I'd rather sit home for eight, nine weeks, ten weeks, whatever it was, and just get a free paycheck. And I got used to that. Well, what I'm trying to tell you right here is, look what he's saying. He's like, this guy's firing me for my job. I have very few options. I have manual labor. I can go dig ditches. Or I can sit in the marketplace and beg. I mean, this that's a society that doesn't have a lot of options. Now, I don't think I need to tell anybody that their society was a lot different than our society. Their culture was a lot different than ours. You know, you didn't have the kind of marketplaces like we have today, back in those days. You did have them. You know, I was, I was uh, listening to a history podcast uh, some weeks ago, and uh, the historian that was talking uh, was talking about uh, times of the Persians. And the Persians, when they kind of got introduced to Greek culture, they were surprised at the Agora, which was the open marketplace of the Greeks. Because they didn't have anything similar to that in their society. Nothing. I mean, so how do you not have a marketplace? Well, here's the thing. You have your hut or your home or whatever it is, and you have your fields or you have your cattle. And that's what you have. And you go out and you work your fields and you get your food out of your field and you, you go and slaughter a cow if you need some meat or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you need milk, you milk your cow. If you need some eggs, you go get some eggs out of the coop, right? I mean, you, you, there was no marketplace. You, there was no fast food. There were, they, they didn't even have the understanding. Where'd they get their clothes? They made their clothes. They had to grow flax and, and linen and other things to make uh, clothes, right? Everybody with me? I mean, you, you, they had to kill animals and, and sew their skins in, in, into clothing. Yes. That, 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 we're so beyond that today. But the Greeks, they had an open marketplace called the Agora, and the Persians were very surprised at that. Well, in a modern society, we, we've got you know, marketplaces. Every, everything's a market now. Uh, we've got you know, the biggest market in the world is the virtual market, right? Cyber market. That's the biggest market in the world. I mean, if you don't feel like getting out and going to a market, all you have to do is get out your phone. And they will bring it you to your door. Come on, that's nothing new anymore. You think about how many years ago it was where that was a pretty new thing. That was a real, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was not that long ago. But in this particular case, they're living in a society where if you didn't have fields to work and if you didn't have cattle to raise, uh, there really wasn't too many other jobs. If you didn't grow up learning a trade like carpentry or blacksmithing or some other trade like that, you can't just jump into a job like that. You can't go to the local blacksmith and say, are you hiring? No. Okay. Now, what you can do is unskilled labor. Apparently, this guy was past the point in his life where he was healthy enough or young enough or strong enough to do unskilled manual labor, right? And I can't do that. And, I, I, and I'm too ashamed to beg. He could have begged. He didn't want to. Now, I'm, I'm drawing this point out long just to let you know. He had few options in life, and the options he had were not that good. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm, I've made a... A, res, uh, a resolution here. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put
put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. I want you to remember that expression, that, that they may receive me into their houses. Who are they and whose houses are they? It's a good question, right? Yes. Now, I would imagine everyone in this room and probably everybody online has read this portion of Scripture before. And yet, when I present that question to you, immediately we're like, yeah, who, what, whose house? Well, I had the benefit of actually reading this before you tonight, so I know, I know the answer. Okay, I got the, I got the answer key, all right? So, I am resolved what to do. When I am put out of the stewardship, in other words, when I lose my job, I will have a house to go to. That gives us another clue, folks. He didn't even have a house to go to. That means his boss didn't just employ him to take care of his goods. He actually gave him room and board. So when he lost his job, he lost his house and he lost his daily bread. Now that's serious. Right? Because when we lose our jobs in this society, we go home and we at least have the food in our cupboards and our refrigerator, right? Or maybe in our root cellar or wherever we store away our dry goods. You, you get it, right? And maybe some of you have gardens in your backyard, or, and that's great too. But just because you lost your job does not mean you lost your house. It might now become difficult to pay your rent or your mortgage, but you didn't lose your house, right? Not right away. In other words, there's time. In our culture, there's time to try to figure out another situation. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole, you know, trusting God for your daily bread, even though that's a good idea. See, in those days, when Jesus says, give me this day uh, my daily bread, or give us this day our daily bread, hey, listen, it meant a lot more to them back then, because sometimes they needed daily bread. Never mind week weekly shopping lists, right? Okay? Lord, help me. I'm saying a lot of good stuff. It's just talking, taking a long time to do it. What he's letting us know is, if I lose this job, I don't have very many options. And I'm, I'm out of a house. I'm out of a, I'm out of a place to live. So he needs somewhere to go. So here it is. Here's the answer. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him. His Lord's debtors. Now that's the answer I asked the question to a minute ago. Whose houses? His Lord's debtors. Isn't that weird? Isn't that kind of a weird thing to think? He's saying, okay, this is what I'm resolved to do. I've made a resolution. When I get kicked out, because I deserve to get kicked out, because I didn't do right, I'm going to have a place to go. And where I'm going to go is I'm going to go into the houses of my master's debtors. In other words, uh, they're going to, they, they, they owe him stuff. I'm going to go live with them. Now, how on earth are you going to pull this off, buddy? Anybody interested? I know you know the story. It's it's we it's the ant. We already know the story. We we know it's. I'm not going to pull out any new information tonight. Uh, I might make you think about it a little differently. But uh, so he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou to my unto my lord? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. He cut this guy's bill in half. Now, what does he have to lose? The guy's already fired. Why is he fired? 
Because he didn't go to that guy before and say, Hey, jerk, you owe my master a hundred measures of oil. Where is it? We've paid good money for this. That's what a steward's supposed to do. He's supposed to get out there and by God, get things done. Anybody hear me? Yes. He wasn't doing it. He was sitting around, taking it easy, watching TV or whatever. Okay? And, uh, ooh, oh, you mean I'm supposed to actually do a good job? Yeah. And I'd love to tell you a story right now. I don't have enough time for it. Uh, I've, worked, I've worked with some folks that had that very attitude. Now, I don't have enough time to tell the story, but just to let you know, I've actually seen people with the attitude of, what, I can't get away with putting my feet up on my desk all day? Are <laughs> well, you going to find me over that? <laughs> yeah! I'm paying you 10 bucks an hour. Of course, this is back in the 90s, so that's a little bit better than today's economy. But, you know, paying you 10 bucks an hour to put your feet up on the desk? Yeah, yeah, we're going to fire you. So he goes to the guy and he says, listen, how much you owe? Why don't you just give half of it? This guy cut his bill in half. The guy got all the money. He got the money worth 100 measures of oil, and he only has to give out 50. And that's a pretty good deal. Anybody agree that's a pretty good deal? Yes. Now, here's the thing. He's already getting fired. He's getting fired because the guy, the master, doesn't have any oil. So this guy over here has all the money and all the oil. He says, well, just give me half the oil. So sure, here's half the oil. So he does that. Now let's read on. Then he said to another, and how much owest thou? And he said to him, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take thy bill and write four score. Any of you guys don't know what four score is? That's 80. Now that's not as good as deal as the guy that only had to give 50 measures of oil. But still, hey, listen, you You've already gotten the money for 100 measures. You're only giving out 80. Okay, still a good deal. You're, you're saving 20%, right? Sure. 20% pretty good discount. Anybody agree? Sure, why not? So this, this guy is doing this stuff. Now, what does it matter? He can't, quit, he can't keep his job. He's getting fired. Yeah, but he's making friends with this guy. <laughs> this guy saved a bunch of money because of him. This guy saved a little bit of money because of him. So uh, between the two of them, uh, he's making some friends, right? What has he got to lose? He's already lost his house. He's lost his daily bread. He's lost his job. He's, he's lost everything. Try to make some friends. Now, this is not someone I'd call wise. This is someone I would call cunning. But cunning means wise. It's just a crafty, you know, like... Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 3, now the serpent was the most subtle creature. <coughs> Even the word subtle is subtle. Right? Because you don't pronounce the B. Wait, isn't it subtle? No, it's not subtle. In, in modern English, it's subtle. You know, even the B kind of like squeezes in there. <laughs> you know, he subtly sneaks in the word. Anyway, so subtle is another word. He, it's a cunning, crafty type of wisdom, right? That's what the serpent was. That's what this guy was. We generally don't like those kind of people because they're conniving. They're sniveling little weasels a lot of times. But listen to what happens. We all know the story. Um, and I'm going to said, I need to take that bill right for us. Score verse number eight. And the Lord commended the unjust. The Lord now. The Lord commended his boss said, 
It's about time you start using that noodle. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, and because he had done wisely. Now, again, wisely, eh. Yeah, the word in Greek there can mean wise, but it really is more of a cunning, crafty type wisdom. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Okay, so Jesus, of course, this is all Jesus telling the story. Of course, he's, he's laying this thing out for us. And he say, listen, these guys that are out there making money are actually smarter than the children of God. Because, first of all, there's children of God that are sitting around and they're about to get fired and they're not even trying to save their behinds. See, even though this guy goes to the debtor and says, cut your bill in half, let me give you a 20% discount for another guy, he's making friends with him, but guess what else he's doing? He's putting oil and wheat into the master's house. So he's doing two things. He's making friends over here, and he's at least getting some goods that is owed to the Lord into his house. See, a lot of people in, 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 in the church, and this is what Jesus is saying, a lot of God's people, they're just like squandering their livelihood. They're sitting around with their feet up on the desk and they're not doing anything. The master comes home and says, my house is a mess. There's no food on my table. Where's all the oil? Where's all the wheat? Where's all the flour? I, listen, I hired you to do a job and you're not taking care of it. I'm going to fire your sorry behind. A lot of God's people say, well, you're a mean God. I didn't, I didn't like you anyway. And stop off and just go into hell. But that's really what it means to be fired from this job. It's not, that's not a fun prospect. Now, how can we prove that? Because when you look at those uh, servants, those ten servants, they each got a pound. It says, cast these unprofitable servants into outer darkness. Right? Listen, we, this is not a job we want to be fired from. And by the way, it's not the Peace Corps, but this is the best job on earth, right, that you'll never get paid for in earthly dollars. Everybody with me on that? Yes. Praise God. This is the best job. This, this, is, this is the job that you like to do. He, here's the wonderful thing about God. He actually gives us jobs we like doing. So why isn't everybody working for God? It comes down to a real simple idea. And I know I've run out of time tonight. But it comes down to a real simple idea. Because there's another God we're serving. That's where, that's where it all is, folks. That's, what, that's the whole crux. And crux is a good word because crux means cross, right? This is the whole cross of the situation tonight. Some people, and I'm not accusing anybody here of anything. What I'm trying to get across is the Lord is very interested in not having any anything slipping under the cracks. There, we cannot afford to think that there's not a job to do. Okay? Everybody needs to do something. For God. There is no such thing. You, you've heard me say it, and I'm going to sound like a stuck record, but there is no such thing as just coming to church, sitting on a pew, receiving, 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 and never giving. There is no such thing. There is a ministry to do. Some kind of a work to do. Somehow, we're putting oil in God's house. Amen? Amen. Come on, oil is a symbol of the Spirit. Somehow, we're generating some oil. Praise God. There's, there's flour or wheat or bread 
in God's house because we are somehow generating it in the name of Jesus. Somehow we're getting bread on the table, whether that's in a Bible study or whether that's just talking to someone in the marketplace or coming into church and testifying. I've never seen a day where it's so hard to get people just to stand up and testify to the goodness of God. It's almost like half the church is saying, God's not good to me. I don't have anything good to say about God. It feels like sometimes we come in here on a Sunday and the Lord says, have some testimonies. And it almost feels like pulling teeth. Like, uh, let me think. What did, did God do? Anything? Hey, you're alive. My goodness, you had something to eat today. You're wearing clothes. You got here by some means of transportation. You probably have some means of communication in your pocket. We're alive in reasonably good health and we don't have nothing good to say about God. And I'm not here just pushing for testimonies. Can you see what I'm saying though? I mean, if we can't even come into the house of God, and again, I'm not pointing to anybody, I'm not looking at anybody in the face, but if we can't come into the house of God and even say something good about the, the living God that created us and saved us, covered us in His own name and His own blood, then do I really have any reasonable faith that you're out there telling someone about Jesus if you can't even talk about Jesus in the church hear me now I told you it was going to get rough he tells us in Matthew 6 24 you can't serve God and anything else really but you can't serve God man in particular now why am I reading this particular parable well it'll become clear in just a second alright everybody okay Everybody okay to stay around for a few more minutes? Uh -huh. Alright, the Lord commended the unjust steward. Because he had done wisely for the children of this world were in their generations wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fall, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now that scripture makes a little bit more sense, right? See, a lot of times we, we take things out of context. You know me. You know me by now. You know I like to read things in a larger context because it explains things a lot better, doesn't it? Yes. See, we just read that story and found out this uh, lazy steward figured out something right at the end as he's getting fired. He's putting oil and bread on the master's table and he's making friends. <laughs> Come on, can, can anybody see a pattern here? Yes. We're out there making friends. We're out there somehow. People who are debtors to God. They owe God because God gave them life. Yeah. We're out there making friends with them, trying to win them. Trying to win them, right? Yeah. And in the meantime, we're putting something on the master's table. Mm -hmm. Anybody see a pattern going on here? And this is going to allow us to live in this life. And Jesus comes along and says, everlasting habitations are, in other words... It, here's the mercy of God. We, I told you before, we're going to talk about the grace and mercy of God. Alright? Here's the mercy of God. And even when we do a bad job of what we're doing, if we will continue to love God, keep His commandments, right? Fear God, keep His commandments. This is the whole portion of man. This is the whole duty of man, according to Ecclesiastes. If we will love the Lord and love our neighbors ourselves, if we will learn to become like Christ, and also win souls. Man, if we can just get those two love commandments down, we'll be all right. Yeah. 
But we're, we're never going to go hungry. So, Pastor, I, 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 I heard stories about Russian Jews, and uh, not Jews, but Russian, Russian Christians and, and Chinese Christians and people that are getting beaten and starved and put in jail and all. Yeah, da, 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 yes, 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 yes. I'm not saying we'll never, we'll never have problems. But God's going to provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory. And it's not because we live in the United States. That, that, that verse is just as true for Chinese Christians as it is for us. Okay? I, uh, it, it, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. Hey, listen, even, even though Chinese Christians go through a lot in, in times past all over the world, even at this very moment in time, there are Christians all over the world going through things. There are Christians being hunted down in Afghanistan right now because of the regime change. Hey, listen, it's serious times over there. It doesn't really affect us. It's just a news line for us. But our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ are over there wondering if they're going to be alive tomorrow. It makes me want to cry. Because it's like, well, why do I have to live fat and easy in the United States? And then, Listen, God is no respecter of persons. Okay? It, it, this thing works for everybody on the same level. Here's the grace and mercy of God. When we're going out there doing the work of God, we're going to be taken care of. Jesus comes and takes it to a, a, a higher level. You will have everlasting habitations. Amen? Yeah. And now we can, we can kind of understand what he says that. If you will just learn how to make friends. Like, he didn't say serve. He said make friends. Make acquaintance. Learn how to use the man. Don't serve it as a God. And don't put it on there. Okay? But learn how to make friends with it. Praise God. Make yourself friends of, of the mammon of unrighteousness that when you fall, in other words, when bad times come, even, even those people out there that you have done good for and talked to the goodness of God about and they've seen you live your life and, and, and man, they'll be the very ones to step up beside you and start helping you. Right? Not that God can. Not that God can't send manna out of the heavens and water it out of a rock. Of course He can did it once, he can do it again. Right. Praise God. If he can take a few fish and some bread and multiply it and feed thousands, he can keep, he can keep doing it. Listen, so, but it's up to God how he's going to do things. He, in verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Or you could say it this way. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. I know that's a little bit of psychological Cycle babble. I want you to hear that for a minute because I think that's what Jesus is really saying. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. Folks, I could go off. The pastor and me could go off on that one. When we go and see the men's bathroom is a mess, we shouldn't think, who cleans the bathrooms in this place? No, we should think, maybe I'd grab a paper towel and start cleaning something up here. We walk past a piece of trash on the floor. Oh, who dropped that? Doesn't matter who dropped it, who's going to pick it up? Right? The way you do anything is the way you do everything. If you can't pick up a piece of trash, there's people out in the gutters out there. How are you going to pick them up? The world calls them trash. But the Lord says, I love them. 
And I'm getting hot and heavy here tonight. I know, I mean, I know that the atmosphere is thick in here tonight. I get it. I get it. Help us, Jesus. It's all about getting rid of stuff. We cannot be serving our own ends. We need to be fighting for the unity. We need to be fighting for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in much. And he that is unjust in least is unjust as much. What he's saying is the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Take a look at your life. How do you do anything? It's the way you do everything, really. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That is convicting to me, folks. I don't know about you. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And this is another clue as to what a steward is. He's someone that has been given care of another man's goods. And as we learn in the Old Testament, he's a Hebrew servant, someone who failed in his inheritance. And so he went to a rich man and said, can you buy me out of debt? And if you can find a rich man to do it, the rich man will say, fine, I will buy you out of your debt. I will bring you into my home and I will let you keep my books in order to learn how to run a property. And after six years, I'm going to send you back out. See, that tells us another thing about the steward. He couldn't even do it for six years. He couldn't even do it for six years. He failed. He, he got lazy or he got wanton or he got his eyes off the problem. Whatever it was, he couldn't do it. And so Jesus said, if you, if you cannot be faithful in that which is another man's, who's going to give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. And now you find, now we know why we, we looked at this parable, because it's setting up that statement, which we only saw it in one verse in Matthew, and we see a whole story in Luke, right? He's letting us know the real problem with that steward is he was serving someone else. And that's why mammon is not just money, because he wasn't getting paid money. He was getting an education. He was getting a roof over his head. He was getting food every day. He could possibly have gotten a wife and children in this deal. Okay? Now, very quickly, very quickly, I know it's past time. I know this is the boring part, so don't fall asleep on me just yet. Very quickly. Mammon, out of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Material wealth or possessions, especially as having a debasing influence. Okay? It comes from, according to this uh, one source, it comes from Aramaic origin. It means simply riches. The outline of biblical usage that I find in my uh, Blue Letter Bible uh, definitions, one, in, it's mammon. Well, that doesn't tell us much, so you have to go back to the English dictionary, which we just read. Or it's treasure. Or number three, it's riches, where it is personified and opposed to God. It's riches that actually become a god. Okay? Now, to add to that, in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, it says it's a Chaldaic origin. It means confidence, i.e. wealth personified. The word in Chaldee actually means confidence. Or in other words, you've put your confidence in something inanimate that you've personified as a god. Now we're getting down into the weeds here, right? Okay. 
Let's look at another one. Uh, also, as an example, it's avarice. Uh, now, what's avarice? Avarice is, is collecting all kinds of desires that really do no good for you or do you harm. But this, in this case, it's avarice deified. That's what the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance is saying. Avarice deified. Does anybody know what the word deified means? Literally means you make a god out of it. You're making a God out of riches and treasures and all these things. You're putting your confidence in wealth. Thayer's uh, Greek lexicon says it's from Chaldean origin. It says, what is trusted in? Treasures, riches. What is trusted in? This is what mammon is. It, we, we often just dumb it down. So oh, it just means money. Because money is a close approximation in our culture. It doesn't mean money. It means what you put your trust in. If you're putting your trust in money, then it means money. If you're putting your trust in the job that gives you money, then it's the job. If you're putting your trust in your house and your equity and, and all that stuff, right? Then it's, then it's your possessions you put your trust in. Is everybody? If it's your education, that's your mammon. Stand with me. I know I've gone over time. We're going to spend some time praying here tomorrow night. We're going to pray against the God of mammon. We might add to that the God of the belly. I'm not sure yet. But uh, this, is, this is a big one, folks. This is a big one. You say, well, pastor, you know, why do we have... Because the Lord is telling me here today and tonight and in prayer, God's people everywhere, not just in this church, but including this church, God's people everywhere have trust issues. This is what Brother Chris preached a few weeks ago. We have trust issues. What he, what he meant is we're putting our trust in something else. And we're not putting enough trust in God to take care of us. That's why in uh, the prayer that he gave to his disciples, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Because sometimes we find ourselves without a job. And by the way, before when I was talking about people not having jobs, that's not to condemn anybody that doesn't have a job. What I'm saying is God is our resource. God is our source, our guide, and our goal. God will, shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Praise God. Be anxious for nothing but everything, but taking everything to God. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Amen? Amen? Letting your request be known unto God. Come on, let's pray, folks. We're going to pray some more tomorrow night, so I want this to set you up for tomorrow night. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Help us to get rid of the God of man. Help us to get rid of the God of man. So that we're doing our job for you the right way. Help us to learn, Lord God, how to work for you in your house and how to make friends, not serve them, Lord God, but to win, influence people. Lord God, you told us in your word that he that winneth souls is wise. So help us to be a wise steward. To take care of your house and thereby take care of our own house. Lord God, we thank You for the Word tonight. We thank You for an understanding tonight. We thank You for a revelation tonight. We thank You, Lord God, for opening our eyes, Lord God, that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve another God. We try to serve You too. So Lord God, we ask that You would lead us back into this place tomorrow night that we can take care of any issue that needs to be taken care of with purpose, with confrontation, 
in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you. Can we just praise him before we go tonight? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you,